it occurred to me years later how many shows we did and what kind of writing we had and the kind of chances that we took. I suppose if I were given the opportunity, I'd do the same thing again. It seems to me that if you're going to do an anthology, which that was, that's the kind of anthology to do. You do a little bit of everything. You take all kinds of chances. Remember the one we did called Conrad in Quest of His Youth? It was a magnificent show. Fred Steiner did music for it. Just lovely love story. Ejack wrote the dozen fantastic original stories. Shirley Gordon did such good stuff. She did a thing called Call Me a Cab. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. She did a lot of good stuff. As radio audiences left for TV, Elliot Lewis continued to champion radio as a stronger dramatic medium. On Thursday, January 1st, 1953, he and wife Kathy debuted a new dramatic anthology program over CBS. It was called On Stage. On Stage was geared for adults, showcasing an eclectic array of scripts across multiple genres. To get the show off the ground, the Lewis has tabbed some of the best writers in radio, like E. Jack Newman. I want to talk to you a bit about the Kathy and Elliot Lewis show, On Stage. When you think of that series, which I think is one of the absolute high points of radio, how do you remember that series? Very fondly, of course. And it was in really the waning days of radio. Because television was obviously going to move in and move in big and supplant radio drama as we knew it. In that year and that time, and particularly with on stage, radio really grew up and put on long pants. It became very adult and very sophisticated and very satisfying. I was lucky enough to write a dozen or so of the on stage with Kathy and Elliot Lewis. Really, it was a free ball. Elliot was uh, a magnificent producer and director and performer. I could discuss dramatically very mature subjects and very mature themes. And I did, with no holes barred. And it was a marvelous experience for me as a writer. And I'll, I'll never regret the time and effort I put into it. Stories would be rooted in powerful male-female situations, with two characters of equal strength being the main goal. They used a mix of classic and original tales, cutting across all dramatic disciplines, with mysteries, adventures, melodramas, satires, and comedy. Kathy was the perfect female foil, not just because she was Elliot's wife, but because she was a superb actress. Kathy was a consummate actress, of course, beautiful woman, as I recall her. She was very gracious, kind, and very, very competent in her profession. I remember she made a, uh, aside from her enormous success as a radio actress, she was also on a long-run television show, uh, My Friend Irma. Yeah, radio and TV. I always liked Kathy and always got along with her very well. I can't say that 
has happened with every actress I've worked with since. <laughs> By then, the West Coast character actors were like a family. A frequent co-star was Byron Kane. It was all on-the-job training. It started in that backyard of Richard Pettuccini when I said to my other friend, oh yes, I will go over. I walked over to KMPC against the wall with high Aberback, and away I went. That was really the first thing. Why I was able to do it, I can only say Mother Nature gave me that gift. I was. I have theories, of course, about acting and as, as many years have passed, I've talked to younger actors and who told me about their desires and their systems and the methods and the things, and I could go on for hours about that. I think a fine actor or actress, I believe I know, a fine actor or actress is born. You don't learn to be a fine actress. You can learn on the job and learn tricks. Oh my God, the mistakes I've made. Of course, of course. But the Lorene Tuttles, whoever, however she started, no one has to tell me. She was born, and I could go to the list of the people that you could remind me of that I've forgotten. Ray Noble, Fred Steiner, and Lug Gluskin's music beautifully fit the production, and Burns Surrey's sound patterns were exceptional. The March 10, 1954 episode was called The Crusade of Stanley Finston. and Elliot Lewis on stage. Kathy Lewis, Elliot Lewis, two of the most distinguished names in radio, appearing each week in their own theater, starring in a repertory of transcribed stories of their own and your choosing. Radio's foremost players in radio's foremost plays. Ladies and gentlemen, Elliot Lewis. Good evening. May I present my wife, Kathy? Good evening. At one time or another, everyone, or almost everyone, feels it necessary to yell. This yelling can be done in the manner of a rooter at a baseball game, in which case it's either for his favorite or against the umpire. Or you yell when you're happy, a victory yell, so to speak, like the loud noise you make when someone gives you $23 million. Or husbands and wives have been known to yell at each other. In a French movie, it's a sign of affection. Here in America, they're more liable to be cross. And many of us yell at true or supposed injustices. Ross Murray created two lovely people several months ago in a play called Penny Ante. Their names were Stanley and Dora Finston. He got to like them and their attitudes, and he wrote another story about them. It's the one we're going to do tonight. If you put together everything we've said so far, you'll find it's the introduction to The Crusade of Stanley Finston. And the question of right or wrong shouldn't even enter your mind in this case, officer. Intent is what you should look for. And I assure you it was purely unintentional on my part. A, a friendly remonstrance on your part would be sufficient, I think. Sir? 
Not to mention the goodwill you fellas would gain from me. Would you sign here, Mr. Finston? You mean you're still going to give me a ticket? Yes, sir. Okay. If that's the way you want it, okay. Here you are, Mr. Finston. And here's your operator's license. Thanks. I see you wrote here I was cooperative. You were. Very. Well, that's the last time you guys will ever write that about me. From now on, the police department is going to have to get along without my cooperation. You guys will be sorry you gave me this ticket. Stanley Finston never forgets an injustice. You'll see. And that goes for my friends, too. Yeah, it's me. Late. Allison worked the staff overtime? No. Get caught in traffic? No. Then how come you're late? What am I, on the witness stand or something? What's the matter with you? Nothing. You sure? Nothing. I tell you, it's nothing. All right. By the time you wash up, I'll have the... Dora. Yes, dear? You know what I heard today? No, what? I heard that the cops in this town have a ticket quota. A what? A ticket quota. You know, they have to give out so many tickets a day. Oh? Sure. There are figures with the cops in this town, the way they give out tickets for practically no reason at all. What did you get yours for? He said I went through... Went through what? A stop sign. Did you? Not exactly. What do you mean, not exactly? What I said, not exactly. The way they got some of those signs set up, it's a deliberate, money-making trap for the city. I was driving down 4th Street. Stanley? Yes, Dora? Don't aggravate. We'll take $5 out of the vacation fund and pay. It's not the $5. It's the principal. Stanley, you can't fight City Hall. I learned that expression when I was a kid. Well, maybe you can't, but I can. How? Now, how can you, one man, fight the whole traffic department? I don't know, but I'm going to do it. Hey, Stan. Hmm? Uh, What? Stan, I uh, thought I'd tell you, Allison's been watching you for the last few minutes. I don't know what you're reading, but I'll bet it isn't the reports on the Wilkerson account. Hey, you know. The Wilkerson account isn't paper-bound. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm just tipping you off to watch it. Allison's kind of hard nose about outside reading during office hours. Okay. Thanks, Al. Uh, uh, can I have uh, dibs on the book when you're through? What? You know. Don't be selfish, old pal. It's not that kind of book. Oh. No, I'm not kidding. It's the vehicle code. The who? The vehicle code. See? Well, what are you studying that for? Going to become a cop? Drop dead. Well, what are you studying for? I'm not studying. I'm only reading. What for? Well, yesterday I was driving Uh-oh, home. Oh, here after... comes Allison. Tell me at lunch, okay? Yeah, sure. Lunch. See you then. Uh-huh. 
I can understand all you said about getting even with the cops, but I still can't understand how you're going to do it by reading the vehicle code. I'm going to find something in the vehicle code that I can use to turn against now, them. Stan, you can't fight City Hall. You been talking to Dora? Well, no. Why? Nothing. Nothing. I'm telling you, Stanley, you get these guys mad at you, they go looking for you. I had an uncle once... I know what I'm doing. Sure you do. You said it. Stan. Yeah? Pay him the five bucks and forget it. I'll pay the five dollars, but I'm not going to forget it. This is a crusade. Are you with me? I'd like to be, but I can't. Why not? I'm chicken. Aren't you ever going to come to bed? Yeah, as soon as I'm finished going over this section. Oh, for a week now you've been going over and over that book. How long are you going to keep this up? Till I find some mistake they made. They don't make mistakes. Yes, they do. I found a law about horses and livestock that they put in about 30 years ago and they repealed only last year. If all this had happened last year, I would have had them where I want them. Oh, I'm sleepy, Stanley. Well, then go to bed. I told you I'd be with you as soon as I finished. You'll be dead when you go to the office tomorrow. I don't care. It's my principle I'm concerned with now. A man can't live without principle, Dora. He can't live without a job, either. I got a job. You won't have if you're too sleepy to keep it. All right, all right, all right. Just a couple of more minutes. Is that too much to ask? No, Stanley. Good night. Good night. Dora? Yes, dear? Don't be mad at me. I'm not. Thank you, dear. You're quite welcome, Stanley. Good night. Night. Hey. Section 452A. The vehicle approaching the intersection of the highway and the river. Approaching a crosswalk, not controlled by the angle. You're supposed to be and you the right way. Section 534A, the crosswalk at the intersection of Main and Wilson Street shall be prohibited to pedestrians in the underpass with all the air we're crossing. Oh, at all times. Section 5's. What's that? Huh? Section 534A. The crosswalk at the intersection of Main and Wilson shall be prohibited to... That's it. That's it. Dora. Dora. I got it. I got it. Dora. Wake up. Wake up. Dora. I got it. Dora. Wake what? up. What? Wake up. What? I got it. What? Stan Stanley. Wake up. Oh. How did that? I got it, Dora. I found what I was looking for. Oh, God. Go to sleep. Dora, honey, wake up. Wake up. Come on. Wake up. Oh. I want to tell you what I got. Tell me in the morning. Please, Dora, wake up. Wake up. All right, I'm up. Tell me. You know where they're building the freeway? Yeah, all over town. No. What I mean is you know where Maine and Wilson were blocked up so long? Yes, I know. Well, they passed a law saying that people couldn't cross the street. They had to go by way of the underpass. All right, so let them go that way. They don't have to do that now. The freeway is finished. Stanley, I'm awake enough to know. I don't know what you're talking about. What I mean is this. I can go through the crosswalk while there's a pedestrian in it, and they can't touch me because legally the pedestrian isn't supposed to be there in the first place. So? 
So I'll deliberately keep going through the crosswalk while a pedestrian is in it and wait for a cop to stop me. And he'll give you a ticket. Oh, no, he won't. When I ask him what section of the vehicle code I violated, he'll have to tell me. And when he does, I'll throw section A right into his Sam Brown belt because giving me a ticket is illegal. You sure you know what you're doing, Stanley? Of course I know what I'm doing. On stage came at a bittersweet time in Kathy and Elliot's lives. Even as CBS referred to them as Mr. and Mrs. Radio, their marriage of 10 years was in trouble. Well, this time they'll find out who the moron is. That's what I'm afraid of. They would divorce in 1959. Elliot would soon marry another noted actress, Mary Jane Croft. I found a box that Elliot had with little cards and all alphabetized. What it was, this is how orderly he was. Starting in 1937, I'm cherishing this box of cards. It had every show he did. What it paid, $3 yes. and a yes. half. That's right, $5. Calling all cars was one of them. What some of the early ones. Yes, right. God, I can't Tapestries remember. Tapestries of life. Yeah, all that's of these it. things. That and did. it goes all the way through, and every week he totaled it up. But the thing that fascinated me was the names of all these shows and how much they pay. Yes, right. <laughs> Three dollars and a half. That's right. And Elliot Lewis was... He Elliot been Lewis was inspired director yes, as well a, as a perfectly mm -hmm. wonderful oh, yeah. actor. Yes. But he was a wonderful A magnificent director. Mm -hmm. Very easy. So yes. maybe just the opposite of a Bill Robeson approach. Well, he was quiet, mm -hmm. wasn't he? No, quiet, he got things done. For more information on Elliot Lewis's career, Tune into Breaking Walls, episode 113.